The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Hello and welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter. Guess what? I'll be your host for today. I'm a spiritual journeyman and media consultant. You can find me at youthrivehere.com. Joining me today, of course, is my co-host, Sarah Bowen. Sarah is the author of Spiritual Rebel, a positively addictive guide to finding deeper perspective and higher purpose. Hi, Sarah. How are you today? I am so excited, Jim. We have two interviews today. I know. Isn't that awesome? We're we're uh, we're going to read. We're going to talk about tarot cards. Yeah, we have two interviews. The first is an emerging artist from Colombia who's going to talk with us about the process of creating a tarot deck and how she did that for a modern world. Really interesting stuff. And then the second interview is with an established tarot card reader and teacher, founder of Tarot for the Wild Soul. And then we'll do a deep dive into tarot as a practice for increasing intuition, healing from trauma, inspiring entrepreneurship, Jim's favorite topic, and better supporting service to others. So we've got a jam-packed episode here. We do. And I think we're going to have to jump in pretty quick. Have you rolled your I Ching dice today? I haven't. I'm waiting for tarot. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and uh, get right to it. I think we should jump right into the episode. Okay with you? Yes. Let's see what the cards hold for us today. And now it's time for our interview. Illustrator Juanita Ladonia Gaviria was born in Colombia amidst the mountains, surrounded by nature. She believes that what led her to illustration was bedtime stories. She wouldn't go to sleep if her parents didn't read from a storybook. I get that. Juanita studied fashion design in her hometown, Medellin, and graduated with a degree in concept art from Vancouver Film School. She's the illustrator for Real Talk Tarot. Welcome to Big Universe, Juanita. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here talking to you guys about um, this new exciting tarot deck. This is such a cool tarot deck with, with, with modern images that are they're a lot of fun. Um, I love the the lovers card has a man and a woman and a mobile phone in it with hearts. Yeah. And the and the hermit has someone in their bedroom on a computer with headphones on. How cool is that? <laughs> right. It's very like for today, right? For for what people are usually doing nowadays, so people can like feel related to what they see on the card. Absolutely. So, how familiar with were you with Tara when you first uh, started the illustrations? Well, I'd say that I'm more into it now, and it's probably because of the work that I did, but I have always been into all this, like, kind of tarot and angel cards and horoscopes, so once I was invited to join the project, I was very excited about that idea, so, 
yeah, but I, I definitely think I've I've become more of a fan after after working on the project. How did you approach reimagining the the Rider Waite deck? I mean, that's a classic deck, and uh, not everybody loves it. But how did you how did you approach doing that differently? Right. So I of course uh, had to go through what the original cards were and what symbols they included and why those symbols were important to what every card means. And then I tried to translate that into a modern setting so that people could relate themselves to that scene and that the images could kind of talk about what the card meant and relate to what they were living in their lives at the moment, right? So I tried to translate every symbol if, if it was important and then whatever the card meaning is, then I try to, of course, every card has different meanings, but I try to pick one of them and try to recreate it so that it could reflect uh, what, what that person was like, like, you know, if you pick a tarot card, it will uh, say, for example, like your life is about to change and your finances, right? So I try to represent for each card, one of the possible settings. Yeah. Why do you think it's it's this approach, this modern day approach is helpful to, to modern tarot readers? Well, because this is a very ancient thing, right? It's been for, for years and years and years, and maybe people don't feel like it's applicable to their lives now. So maybe it becomes more fun with when they see images where they can see their, their true lives and whatever they're living. You know, nowadays we have like electronics and we have... Um, like different relationships, different way of communicating with people, different emotions, right? And I think that this tarot deck, uh, at least I try to reflect that kind of thing, right? Where young people could see it like um, in a more modern way. It's literally what the tarot is. And that was, that was the objective. I really like that because I feel like tarot is, is a part is the message a part is the imagery and there's this way that they combine together that gives each deck a different flavor you're like i yeah. have one deck that's all cats it's, it's just cats <laughs> that's cool too right, right? And yeah. I have that's, one that's not surprising to me <laughs> it's not Sarah. surprising knowing me i have one you yeah. know that these different cards have different flavors and so i've noticed that when i go to work with tarot you know, kind of how I'm feeling that day. Sometimes, you know, pick exactly which, which deck I'm going to pick. And and what I appreciate appreciate is sometimes they're a little fantastical, you know. Mm -hmm. some, but this really has that kind of I'm in the cards kind of mm -hmm. idea. And I wonder, you know, could you explain for us, like, just pick one card, um, yeah. maybe maybe the one that uh, Jim mentioned, or or pick one if you have the deck there, and explain to us a little bit about the process of how you would decide what what to draw right how does it come to you well let's say here i have the ten of wands so and i it also comes with this really nice booklet because for for each card i i really had to go through the meaning of all of it and research everywhere and see you know not every place has like the same meaning so I read in one site like oh this card means this and that but then I went to another one and then it had a kind of a different interpretation and I think that's what's special between decks right like each person can give their own meaning to a card and then I try to unite those those different meanings into this deck in a way that was more modern and represented today's life 
And so that was like my main objective. So for example, for this 10 of wands, um, this deck says like, you are carrying too much on your shoulders just now, and you may have become used to being overloaded that you just lost sight of the reason you're doing the work. Considering saying no to any future requests and decide which projects or jobs you can stop or hand over to someone else, right? So for oh, example, I need that card case, today, Juanita. I think you picked that one. <laughs> oh, right. this is the right card, right? So <laughs> that is the right this, card. This, uh, I decided someone that was maybe moving or someone that works maybe at a place where they have to carry a lot of things. And sometimes it just becomes too much, too heavy. And I think even like buying too many things or doing too many things at once, you just need to drop a box, right? Because it's become too heavy. And so this is a way that I chose to represent it. And for our listeners, she's holding up a card that is a woman holding, I don't know, like 30 boxes, maybe. Yeah, her, her she has back. like five yes. really heavy boxes. And you can see that the room she's in is like full of them, right? So she's, like I said, maybe moving or she works doing this and maybe her work has become too much for her. Uh, and she she definitely needs to drop one of those boxes. So yeah, maybe that's the card of the day. If you're working too hard, if you're working too much, just drop the box and pick some some things that you want to do and then leave the others for tomorrow because <laughs> you always have a new day, right? Absolutely. It's always wonderful to choose one of these. I, I think it's fun to use a, a tarot deck to choose one a day, for instance, yeah. and just kind of get a sense of the day. I think um, that makes it, very helpful to me. Yeah, I actually decided that it would be fun to show um, my followers uh, the deck in that way. So I I haven't shown all the cards. And since two days ago, I started picking a card a day. So hopefully I'll go through the whole deck by well, in two months. But I'll try to pick a different one. Maybe some will, will come up uh, again and again, because I think that there are definitely messages that some people need to know about. So maybe like the deck is like, hey, you know, pick this card again because they're not getting the message, but hopefully I'll go through all of them soon. So if, if people want to go check out like the card of the day, I think I'll be doing that for a little bit. Wonderful, wonderful. So I'm curious, which ones seemed the most challenging to update to you? Were there particular ones that were that were more challenging than others? Oh yeah, definitely. Because there were ones that are sort of medieval in a way, you know, like there were ones that were very related to death or like very hard or like really tough feelings to digest. And since this is sort of a lighter deck, I was like, okay, how can I represent this without being like too heavy, right? And those I think were maybe the harder ones. And some symbols, I was like, okay, this is a very like medieval thing or ancient thing. And there's really no representation for it today or like there's nothing that looks like this nowadays. So like, I, I used candles or, you know, like, I don't know, certain like kitchen knives for certain things or, you know, it was it was sometimes hard to represent. For example, I'd say that this five of swords took me like a bit, but then I decided to do this game where you you're playing at throwing like knives or darts. And I and I symbolized it that way. But sometimes I had to really think and be like, OK, what scene from today actually talks about this? And yeah, those were the difficult ones. So with the the death card, how did you illustrate the death card? Because you know some people have the the mistaken impression that it it means actual death, you know, right. but it, but it's actually it can be rebirth, the end of something, to the beginning of something else. Right. How did you, how did you illustrate that one? 
Well, I did. I did do sort of. Um, I'm trying to find it because it is 78 cards, so I'm trying to go through. <laughs> we kind of put you thing. on the spot with that one. Yeah. yeah, I was like, okay, but no, I, I remember it, and it's like I I did uh, draw like someone as a like the death uh, person, you know this, uh, the the not the skeleton, but this figure lurking but it's because it means like something is about to end and something is about to begin but you know that you can feel it coming you know everyone knows when there's a thing in your life that's about to end so I decided to represent that moment when the person is like connecting to that intuition and like feeling that death near you know like all of us know when when our relationship is about to end or when we are maybe deciding to quit our job or maybe we're being let go but you know all of us need to know that after this there's always something new that's gonna come around right and and I think that when you do get that card if not that same day the next time that you draw a card or in a little bit there will be a rebirth card or like maybe the ace of cups you know like always always after something being over there's always going to be rebirth so yeah even if if this is like a a bad card at the moment you need to know that good things are coming your way after you're done like processing the emotions of losing that thing that you lost why did you decide to work on the project in the first place what what drew you to it well, like I said, I've always been like, I've always considered myself sort of like, I, I wouldn't say like a witch, but you know, I've always been very in touch with those things. You know, I've always loved tarot and I've always loved horoscopes and I've always loved this sort of thing. And I think that I've always feel connected to it. So um, when they told me about this, it was an instant yes for me because, you know, I loved all those things that that lead you to connect more with your intuition with your inner self you know so yeah it was it was an instant yes for me I didn't even have to think about it when they invited me to join the project I immediately said yeah it was really exciting and also the modern take on it makes it like ooh, like I wonder how can how I will come up with all these things right like what can I when it like how will my work translate into this new deck and that was exciting for me being Excellent. able to put my own like sauce to to the project check out Juanita's real talk tarot deck illustrations you can pre-order it uh, for an October release on Amazon and other locations is you, do you have a website as well yeah I have a website it's Juanita Londono so people don't need to um go too too hard with the the double the thingy on top of the end and then you can <laughs> find <laughs> yeah it's pretty hard because in the american um keyboards it's really hard to find like i even have trouble finding the i don't even know what that's called like the little squiggly line on top of the end right, i don't right. know how, i don't know how to create it on, on an american keyboard so i decided to go without it and then my instagram it's also juanita londono but instead of the squiggly line and i i picked an eight because it's like my favorite number and it's also like the infinite symbol so i like that and yeah that's what i picked Awesome. Well, Juanita, thank you so much for joining us on Big Universe. It's been awesome learning about the Real Talk Tarot, and uh, I think I'm going to have a lot of fun with this. How about you, Sarah? Yes. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that you guys invited uh, me to join you guys, talk about the Real Talk Tarot. It was really fun. Hopefully, your listeners can enjoy it as well. I, I will keep doing the card thing on my Instagram if, if people want to go and join and see what the card of the day is. 
Um, thank you for helping me pick the one for today. And I'm glad. Yeah, I'm going to go drop you. like nine boxes, Juanita, <laughs> right after this. <laughs> thank you for that inspiration. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe I need to do that too. Sometimes you like, you you have so much on your plate and before you know it you're already exhausted and it's like when did i say yes to all of this right right well thanks for joining us Juanita. here's martha creek with a unity moment hi friends this is martha creek you can contact me marthacreek.com today's topic relative to resiliency is how to practice that and how to cultivate and uplift our innate inherent capacity for adapting for our ability to adapt, to become stronger, to become a stronger human being, to have more well-being. And the idea then is to get to do something and practice things that leave me feeling more empowered. How could you feel more empowered today? So the invitation is to make a list of things that you have some control of. I have control of when I'm going to go to bed. I have control of how, sometimes I have control of how I'm going to respond to something. I have control of some emotion that says when I get really jacked up and anxious or infuriated or raged or outraged or enraged that I can say, I have a control of, I'm not going to go fire off an email while I'm in that shape. I'm not going to go fire off a text until I take a pause get more in myself, get more connected to myself and to my options so that I can feel empowered and in charge of the way that I'm going to approach this, how I'm going to be less reactive and then more respondent, more responsive to the matter. So what would be a list of things you have some control over? It could be your attitude, your perspective, your disposition on what you're going to have for your meals today, um, who you're going to call or not call, who you're going to put on a schedule. So feeling empowered, feeling empowered, and then consciously choosing things that leave you feeling, leave me feeling more empowered and doing this on a moment-to-moment, situation-to-situation, interaction-by-interaction approach. So practice, practice, practice. And then, of course, you know practice makes progress. Love to you, friends. MarthaCreek.com to contact me. Now let's go into some fun with the tarot with Lindsay Mack. Lindsay Mack is a queer, non-binary, femme intuitive artist, tarot teacher, writer, and the founder of Tarot for the Wild Soul. Lindsay's the creator of Soul Tarot, a radical reinterpretation and intentional utilization of the tarot as a helping tool. She's also a mentor to entrepreneurs, creative creatives, artists, and business owners who are seeking to pivot into intuitively-led, spirit-guided service. I love that approach. Through her online courses, workshops, and retreats, Lindsay has had the profound honor of teaching nearly 10,000 students from all around the world. She's also the host of her own podcast, Daryl for the Wild Soul, which explores the cards through an inclusive, non-predictive, trauma-informed perspective rooted in compassion, common sense and critical thinking. Lindsay, it's so wonderful to have you on Big Universe. It is a delight. I I am so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure, our pleasure. So I want to start off with just some basics um, because I feel like we we always want to start our listeners off with just the basic thoughts. And then we get into a lot of what you do uh, more different from other folks. Um, What is tarot to you? To me? 
tarot is, uh, I think, a mirror. And uh, I mentioned this a little bit in my bio. Uh, I think uh, we can use the tarot for so many different things, just like a mirror. But um, I think, in my humble opinion, it works best when we can utilize it as an archetypal, non-predictive helping tool to just help us be with what is, what's right here, rather than what will be. The future's not fixed. We can't ultimately truly know what will happen. Unfortunately, it can't tell us when a difficult situation will end or whether someone will like us back. <laughs> I feel like we've tried. Darn it. Many. Yeah, <laughs> lots of folks have tried for a long time to tap into the mysteries of tarot in that way. And I also have the utmost respect for seers and folks who utilize it in that manner and have historically. But um, for me, tarot has always been a tool that has helped me to get just a little bit more intimate and present with what's happening right now and the layers of that. So you go into the cards. Uh, what? How did you find yourself on this spiritual path? Is that, how did you find yourself on this spiritual path? Well, um, I am a survivor of some pretty extreme abuse. Um, uh, some really high level pre-verbal <laughs> abuse and dysfunction. And I really looked for God wherever I could. Um, I was a highly sensitive, very intuitive child being raised in a lot of violence and chaos. And um, I'm probably one of like five people on earth who was raised Catholic and left that religion pretty unscathed. I, I actually remember being bored in mass, but feeling a sense of communion and closeness with a divine that felt intimate to me. I don't know why, but from a very young age, I was always, I, I, it felt like I had a sense of spirit that didn't require any kind of gatekeeper. Like it felt like it was one that I was very intimate with. It's difficult to explain that, but there was a lot of kind of coming into different things as a child, like pre-age 13, that I had absolutely no awareness of. I don't really think I knew what tarot cards were. Like no one in my family ever engaged with them. I saw them in a bookstore. And like, I think my conservative Republican father didn't even like know any better. <laughs> and he got them for me. And I, I bought books with them because I... I'm a good Virgo rising. And I was like, well, I'd like to know what people have to say about this and um, read those books and thought, wow, this seems like kind of reductive and a little irresponsible and doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. A lot of what these authors are saying, not all authors, but a lot of what they were saying. Um, and so from a really young age, I just started to listen to the card when I pulled and, and it sounds more grand than it is but I would just pull and I would at that young age I just thought well I'll give it the respect of it telling me what it could have to be about and then I would go about my day with my sort of eyes open and think oh it's interesting I pulled that card this morning this thing is happening now I wonder if the two have to do with each other so it's just been this tapestry over the last 25 plus years of curiosity and respect but yeah happened upon it in a bookstore and it's been one of many tools many pathways that I've I've engaged with in order to 
find myself just a little closer to my center and my connection with divine. What do you think that people misunderstand about tarot? I think there's a couple of different things. I think that there's a pretty huge under misunderstanding that it's going to somehow give you an answer that you don't possess within yourself or that the cards themselves have some sort of sentient power, <laughs> um, which I love tarot cards and just, you know, just adore them, but um, they come alive in your hand. They require you. It's a Coke co-creation you know it's they're not doing anything by themselves um that they're somehow going to let evil in that they're somehow going to be um like a tool of malevolence that they can predict anything um in a in a tangible linear solid consistent way um mainly just human projection of fear and misunderstanding onto this really um, kind of bright, open mirror tool, you know? So there's a lot of misunderstanding about it, I think. So Lindsay, do you think, is, is tarot compatible with other philosophies and other religions? Um, I don't think that I'm knowledgeable enough to answer that, <laughs> but I do think that, um, I do think that there, what I can uh, adequately and confidently speak to is that I think that when we really kind of let uh, the soul, the deeper knowing come into connection with our use of the tarot, it's very easy for the ego and the thinking mind to get into the driver's seat and drive the tarot relationship. Um, I think that there's a real connection and a real union that that comes together with this really prehistoric ancient sort of um, relationship with the spiral. Like there's something very old and very ancient about it that I do feel like I've had uh, in just researching my own ancestry and connection to Scotland and Ireland and Celtic origins and, and all of these different sort of um, pieces and, and uh, rather than looking at sort of linear frameworks, spiralic ones, I think there's a huge correlation and a, any union that happens there. I also think um, this isn't a particularly a unique thing to say, but I certainly think it, it correlates with astrology. But as for religion, I don't think I know enough to, um, it, as a matter of fact, I would say as a Catholic person, um, there's actually a lot about the tarot that's in opposition to it because it requires and really asks for you to be empowered and autonomous in your own understanding, your own relationship with spirit and divine. There's no gatekeeper in tarot as much as people like to try to apply that to it. I think sometimes that's why it's so threatening to people who have been raised in major religions. Um, mm -hmm. you know, so it's my two cents on it anyway. <laughs> we'll be right back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. 
Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Welcome back to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. So, Lindsay, one of the questions that, that really arises for me is if someone wants to work with someone else, I know we're going to talk a little bit later about working ourselves with tarot, but if you want to work with someone else or learn from someone else or consult someone, how do you go about doing that to make sure that you have someone who has, I suppose I want to say your best interest in mind? Yeah. I'm so glad you asked this question because I think it's incredibly important. Um, I could probably go off about this for like an hour, but I'll, I'll highly condense my thoughts. Um, I think this question is important to ask. Um, and again, I want to champion you for asking it because most people don't even think it's a question to ask. Um, there's so much in the power dynamic. And I think this does go back to some religious conditioning and trauma around like, well, this person teaches, they wrote a book, they read tarot, they must know something I don't, they must be higher, they must somehow have access to something I don't, and they don't. They're a human, just like you. So I would say to anyone seeking this out, I would say, utilize the same basic um, set of tools within yourself that you would if you were picking out, um, ideally, perhaps a care practitioner or a therapist or somebody, you would check in with your red flags, you would check in as to your ethics, your morals, your belief systems. Is this person using nonviolent language, violent language? Are they uh, highly, um, you know, sort of, and sometimes we can't tell these things before we engage or invest in someone. So I, I want to just say to anyone listening that I know it's hard and I know that it sometimes feels like you can't, but if anyone is ever making you feel unsafe or if a reading is making you feel unsafe, you're empowered to just walk away. You don't have to participate. They don't know anything that you don't. And um, I, I hate to, I don't hate to, but the tarot uh, doesn't deliver messages. The, the fear, scary messages that have, have felt so traumatizing to so many of us, um, they're coming from the human. They're not coming from the tarot. What <laughs> a know? great point. What a great point. Yeah. So you can just, you can just get out of there. Totally. So, so in terms of the specific approaches that you have, um, mm -hmm. th that are different from, you know, maybe more traditional paths. I, I, I know mm -hmm. that a lot of people get the impression that it is predictive, you know, that it should mm -hmm. be something that, you know, this tells you what's going to happen definitely in your life. And that mm -hmm. scares a lot of people away. Can you talk to a, a different approach to that? Yeah. So in my, again, this is just all humble opinion, but um, I, all we, all we absolutely know we have is this moment. And like there, again, there, there is no future. The future is not fixed. We have free will, things change all the time. And when we are actually with this moment, with what is, it empowers us so profoundly to see what's coming up in the cards as an invitation not as a rule, not as law, not as an absolute, but an invitation. So if I come, this just happened the other day, 
I was feeling very disappointed and very distressed about something. And my mind was kind of clicking and worrying about like what to do, how to fix it. And also was kind of slipping into like, oh, I'm so angry and resentful. It was, it was just a heavy, lots and lots of layers. And I went to my deck and the card that came forward for me when I asked, what would you have me know? What am I, what am I being invited to understand about this? How can I get a little bit closer, a little bit more intimate with this? I got three of swords. And for me, when I saw that card, it broke open a floodgate and reminded me, of course, my thinking mind wants to protect me with what do I do? Where do I go with an action? This card is reminding me that there are swords in my heart. There's pain here. And before I know what to do, my only job is to take the swords out of the heart and be with the pain. That's it. And no one, I never read that anywhere. That just, that's just years of tracking a card and noticing like, well, these are the patterns of my human mind. This is part of the protection of it. And this is how I get a little bit closer. So it's totally natural for someone to wanna to go to the tarot for a distressing situation and go, what do I do? And a lot of the time when people get three of swords, they're not looking at it spiralically, they're looking at it linearly, which I hope makes sense. So a lot of people think like, oh, someone must be betraying me, stabbing me in the back. There must be some kind of bad energy about this that I have to do something about. And they go off in a direction and don't start with the, I think the first step, which is just like, there's pain here and I don't know what to do. The point is to be with the pain. And from there, by the way, my distress started to melt a little bit and things started to soften. I don't know that I knew what to do, but the whole situation just really broadened and stretched out. So I think it's a remarkable tool to help us again, be with what is, it's completely understandable that people, A, fear the fact that it could tell them something they don't wanna know, or B, could give them some insight. I think people are both repulsed and attracted in that way, but there is a middle path that is far more consistent, far more gentle, far more truthful, which is just like, this is the moment you find yourself in. This is the medicine and the anchor that could help you be with the deeper layers of it. And that's it, you know? And five minutes later, it could be something that might be a bit more useful. And as many people who read Tarot know, you pull the same card for a week straight. <laughs> it's like an amazing thing. So hopefully that answered your question, but, um, that's one piece that is a cornerstone of the way I teach, which is just like, we're, we're going into, we're letting the thing that is the most important come forward and help us tell us what's needed rather than us coming to the tarot. And it's the difference between sort of the soul self driving the car, the reading and the mind self driving the car, the reading, which I hope makes sense. But sure, sure. Yeah. And, and it's your soul connection. It's not some somebody else having yeah. that for you. Yes, correct. There's correct. a so I'm I'm I want to ask a question for folks who may never have used tarot by themselves. Yeah. Or who may say three of swords, that sounds confusing. What does that yeah. mean? I thought I just was going to have a card with a direct action on it. You know, yeah. what, it what is the, I, I know that you, you describe, I'm hearing you describe this as a relationship, a relationship yes. between you and the cards, deepening your intuition. I know you use the term rewilding 
intuition yes. often. So, so where do you, you know, what do you, how do you start to learn this? How does this become less esoteric and mm-hmm. perhaps scary or big or supernatural or, or, or large? And how does this become practical and useful? Hmm. I know that's a lot of questions I just mashed no, together no. into one Lindsay. But I want to, I hope I can. If, well, that's, you've actually asked the question because I think everyone's inroad is a little different, which is, um, I think that's the first thing that I want to speak to is that everyone will be a little different. Like my story was that I, I, I think I'm in an, a little bit of a rare bird in that way where I was just like, I don't need anybody to tell me. And I'm, I mean, I have teachers, I'm very open and receptive to, to tutelage and to other people's thoughts and opinions. And, you know, I couldn't be more open to that, but I, I just, I'm not sure why, but as a kid, I was like, I don't require any, if I ever find somebody who, to help me out with this, but I, I don't see any reason why anyone would need to teach me how to use this. And there are some people out there, but that doesn't mean it's better or worse. Um, I used to teach with a, a friend of mine, Jeff Hinshaw, who is also a, a very gifted tarot reader and astrologer. We used to co-teach the Brooklyn Fools uh, tarot uh, journey, which was six months. And it was very rooted in like Rachel Pollock, Golden Dawn, And that's where we started and kind of invited students to lift up and think for themselves outside of that. And there were some people who really resonated with that and some people who really did not. For some people, they have to sort of start with with the backbone of where we've been with the tarot. And so for some people, it will be books. For some people, it will be finding sort of the right voice, the right teacher, the right podcast, the right whatever. So I would say that's sort of the first step is that some people try desperately to learn through books and it just does not work for them because that's not how they learn. So um, I hate to not be able to wrap that up in a neat package, but (laughs) I do think that is, you have to sense into how you learn and how you're being called into a relationship with the deck. And then from there, um, really kind of giving yourself the permission to take what people say and go, great, how do I contextualize that? right? Like, how do I interpret that? What's my worldview? How does this make sense to me? Um, The court cards, not to, again, sort of apply something that folks are going to be like, what? But the court cards are a really good example. And for anyone who's a little bit more unfamiliar, that's queen of cups, king of pentacles, et cetera. You may have seen or heard of those cards. There's no actual way to interpret them. Every book is different. There's no, there's no one road. And that's the area for my students where people get, they get so distressed because Mm. they're like, but what are they? And I, I have to say they're, they're whatever makes sense to you. The only thing I try very hard to impress upon my students is not to start with them being other people, not to start or if you've had a very rich relationship with like, this is a father figure to me, this is my brother, to see what happens if you, if you go beyond the borders and boundaries of that, because I actually think all aspects of the tarot are us. And it can be very powerful when we, when we kind of reclaim that power back to those beings. But the court cards can be anything. 
they can be a framework for family constellation. They can be a framework for there's there's huge astrological uh, root systems and branches with them. Like some people apply tree of life theory to them. So not to overwhelm folks, but that it's just to say that it gets to be whatever you want it to be. And it's very interesting to learn perspectives beyond your own um, and to sort of go into those waters and then come out with the treasures you collect and think, well, you know, this is makes no sense to me. It doesn't feel applicable, useful. Um, that's always the part in my tarot courses where um, students really need like in the group to be like, I don't agree with Lindsay. I'm like, great, I hope you wouldn't. <laughs> like, I hope you wouldn't agree <laughs> with everything that they, it's, it's, an, it's like kind of an amazing, I assume just developmental piece where they like have to be like, this is how I see them as though somehow my invitation is going to change the way they see them. It's like, you can hold that just, just an invitation, you know, so. So I um, hear a lot of flexibility is what I'm hearing think, from you. That, I think that there's a great flexible deal. Flexible rather than rigid. So I'm wondering. Very much so. I know one of the things that we talk a lot about on this show is entrepreneurship yeah, and, and tools for that as well. Uh, how we get our ideas that come to us through inspiration and mm -hmm. kind of launch those out into the world and things like that. What do you think the relationship between tarot practice and being an entrepreneur is? Well, I think that um, there's two sort of answers I'd give to that. One is that as entrepreneurs, right, we're constantly evolving, constantly growing, constantly navigating, changing waters, and it can be challenging in a sea of opinions and other people and comparisons and contractions and losses and wins. I think that tarot can just be an incredible stretch and space to come back home in, like just to check in around where we're at and what we're being invited into. Um, I also think I, I, I teach this uh, little practice called tarot anchoring. Um, but I think that tarot anchoring, um, which is essentially, uh, it's not so unique, but um, it's essentially inviting people to form and build relationships with certain cards so that you can draw upon it without having to pull it in a reading. Um, and initially I developed it because my nervous system would get too overwhelmed to pull cards, but um, I was so kind of buffeted and comforted by the thought of certain cards. So I started to hmm. pull and sew in all of these associations so like certain songs would get very bonded to certain cards. All I need to do is like put that song on and it would sort of remind me of the world that I could, uh, that sort of that card drew me into. But I, I uh, teach this course called Heart of Service that I'm actually doing um, in the, this fall that um, we talk about tarot anchors every single week. Like if we are to like as entrepreneurs, right, I think most of us, unless we're very lucky and very advanced in our practice and our personal care, have a really hard time receiving, taking breaks, trusting that if we pause. What can I, I know that's hard to believe. About, I don't know what that's about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, other people, not me, other people. Other right, people. not but, me um, Rather than going to the deck, which can, I think, be a little overwhelming, 
and pulling a card and, and saying like, what could help me with this? What could help me to trust? There are certain cards that can just do that for you. So nine of pentacles is a, is a particular card that I think can really help. It's a card that basically says you've spent all this time growing this orchard, growing this beautiful kind of field of fruit and flowers, and you're the only one that hasn't really gone in and tasted your fruit. So it's important to play with that, right? Empress is another one that really teaches us the contractive quality, honestly, of how hard it is to receive, how much more geared we are to give, give, give. It reminds us it's a, it's a stretchy process that takes a lifetime. So I think not everybody, by the way, I think this goes without saying, but not everybody is always going to agree with me or see eye to eye. It's just, again, an invitation, but I like to teach entrepreneurs like, hey, if you're struggling with this piece, there's actually a card out here that could just help you right out of the gate. You can draw upon it. And then if you're in a bit of a pickle with it, you can create your own spread around that card. Hmm. So if you're wanting to work with Empress, you can sort of create your own set of questions to ask the card. Like, how can I open to receiving more? How could I feel a little bit safer? And again, I think, I think it just brings one even deeper into their own relationship. So that has been a way that I have found enormous comfort and clarity and inspiration and anchoring with the tarot as an entrepreneur, those two ways. You talk about this, uh, your approach being a trauma-informed perspective. I wondered, mm -hmm. and, and about healing too. Uh, mm -hmm. How can, can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so my job, uh, I feel my job is to not overwhelm to the best of my ability, your nervous system's capacity to cope and take in information. So when we're coming at a client or a student with information like, hey, you better watch out because when the tarot card comes up, you know, sometimes it means this. It puts someone's nervous system on alert and they start to get even just slightly activated. Absolutely. And they're gonna, yeah. Absolutely. They're gonna, yeah. And they're going to stop hearing you. Mm. They're going to, they're going to lose the ability to. So I soften nothing about the way I talk about the tarot. As a matter of fact, there, there are times where I think uh, I've noticed some things that I think are a slightly veiled response or criticism to some of the way, it's not often, but it's happened where people are like, this card does mean that bad things can happen. I'm like, I'm not saying that bad things don't happen. I'm saying that this card is not a predictor of that, that this card can, there's a huge spectrum that a card like death or the tower can encompass that has absolutely nothing to do with anything. Part of my job is to, um, First of all, encourage myself to consider the gifts of such a card without, I don't have to like the card. Nobody has to like the card, but we, we do, I think, have a responsibility to touch in with the medicine of it. And I do believe that as a pillar of the way that I teach that all cards bring medicine. There's no bad card. Um, there might, I used to say there's no bad or scary cards and I've since corrected myself because it's not my, uh, my business to tell anyone what's scary and what's not, but um, there are no bad cards. All of them are bringing medicine and just like plants, there's bitter medicines and poisonous medicines and sweet medicines. And we all were approaching it with awareness. So that's my job to 
try, and that doesn't mean I don't always speak in a way that, um, you know, has, a, has an effect on someone's nervous system. And I always try to be respectful and open to that. But in general, I think cards come to help. And um, I think when you can apply that approach, it helps folks' nervous systems to be open and to stay relaxed. And it helps them to feel safe enough to connect with cards that they would normally maybe fear. That's wonderful because, you know, when you get someone pulls out the death card, it's like immediate, <laughs> I know. immediate panic. And that's not what it's about. No, totally not. No, no way. Not necessarily, you know. So, yeah, and there's there's other pieces too. It's it, there's an art form to reading in that way, just really seeing it. It's a it's your energy as the reader, seeing it as an invitation. The whole reading, um, I legitimately when I used to read tarot would get excited. People could feel it. Like sometimes there'd be these real powerful energies, like like tower, death, and judgment that would show up and. I legitimately see those and think, oh, friends, these are great. So I, I, again, it's not a Pollyanna approach. I just have lived through those underworld journeys and walked through that hell and <laughs> that fire. And so I know what happens on the other side if you're willing to move through those experiences. And also sometimes they're not fiery. So um, I can feel that when I give a reading, like the volume's up real high on this one. And so I want to talk to this person about how to be with that. And, and check in with them about whether or not that's true for them. That's another way we can be trauma-informed. Like, does this resonate with you? This is an invitation. Let me know if anything is not resonating. Yeah, so those are just little ways, not predicting anyone's illness, death, divorce. You know, like, <laughs> Failure, little pieces. bankruptcy, yeah, all of it, these things. Yeah, yeah well, you know, little pieces. So it brings up a question, Lindsay. I know we're, we're going to run out of time and I wish we could do this all day. But one of the things I really want to ask is about, about how you pick a deck. Are some, oh, yeah. are some decks problematic? Are there ones that you might recommend? I know I've got a whole stack of them now. They seem to be like rabbits. They attract each other um, in some way. <laughs> they so and all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you've got a whole shelf of them. But, you know, talk a little bit about, I know the relationship is between us and the cards, but how do you choose? I'm going to be annoying again and give a couple of different quick responses to that. Um, just because I don't want to make anyone feel like their own journey to a deck is somehow not worthy of acknowledgement. Um, one way is like, if you see a deck, you like it, you're attracted to it, you just get it. Like that's one absolutely perfect yeah, way <laughs> yeah like I, it's great I mean like I have like the deck I'm using that I is just sort of my main squeeze right now is one that I saw and I thought mm, gotta have it and we just slowly started to get closer and that's just the deck I'm using um some folks are given a deck some folks form a really strong bond with a deck or or like there's some other way um, I do think it's worthy of mentioning that some people, uh, and this is completely, couldn't be more valid, they want to see themselves and their experience and their community reflected back to them on the cards. So I think um, I want to uh, lift up and amplify Asali Earthwork, who is an absolutely incredible uh, tarot worker and uh, 
does a, uh, an offering that is called uh, Tarot Decks for um, essentially, uh, um, I believe it's called, can I like look it up so I don't get it wrong? Sorry, I know we're recording. Sorry, That's editor. Okay. We, can, we can come back on it. I have it. So Asali created Tarot of the QTPOC and they're a black person and they have a list of all of these decks that are inclusive of sex workers, that are inclusive of people of color, that are inclusive of queer folks and trans folks. And that's one incredible resource. Um, and there's a reason that any person would want to have a particular kind of deck that represented a particular kind of thing. And I think that is important and there are resources out there. So some folks, their, their journey to a deck is a little bit more thoughtful, a little bit more research. Um, you know, goes into research. Some people just find one, see it, and go, that's it. So I we only have, go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. So no, we only have okay. a bit, so we only have a little bit of time left. We have like a minute or two. I wanted okay. to get one quick question to you. And if there's one piece of advice or an exercise you would suggest for our listeners regarding Tara, what would you suggest? I would say, the biggest piece of advice I have is to start thinking about when you pull a card, how it is showing up for you rather than to you. I think that that is the biggest piece of advice that can transform the way we start to interpret readings is for you rather than to you. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Lindsay. I'm really upset we didn't get to talk Star Wars because I know you're a Star Wars fan uh. too. I am. Is there a, a Star bummer. Wars deck yet? And if not, there should I am be. Positive We've got to get started are. on it. I'll bet you there's multiple, but I don't own one, which is a travesty and an offense <laughs> to myself. I wish I had one. <laughs> so we'll we'll definitely have to have you back because there's plenty more questions we never got to. Uh, for more information about Lindsay Mack, go to lindsaymack.com. Check out her courses and listen to her podcast, Tarot for the Wild Soul. Lindsay, thank you for joining us on Big Universe. Thank you for having me. For more great information about Sarah Bowen, go to spiritual-rebel.com. I've got premium video courses and help to create them on youthrivehere.com. Thanks, everybody. I'm Jim Lefter with Sarah Bowen. We'll talk with you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. I'm Laura Worcester, host of the Intuitive Life Podcast. As an intuitive medium and teacher working with the world of spirit, I love to share the peace that comes with the awareness that our departed loved ones are still with us. And I also love to help people explore what it means to live an intuitively led life. Start listening now on mindbodyspirit.fm or wherever you get your podcasts.